Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We always have issues with the mic sound because I'm always like whispering 40 to 40 <laughs> decibels quieter than Izzy. Yeah. And then I'll make up for it by shouting at the start and then it just keeps going lower and lower when I go back to my natural voice through the pod. Yeah. Mine is also really bad as you guys are all probably well aware because I'll talk normally and then I'll scream. Yeah. I get I get just get like so animated. So our editor is always just constantly having to deal with changing our volumes every two I know. seconds. Our poor beleaguered editor. We're back, baby. Back in London, you back mean? in the UK, yep. Yeah, it's gloomy and grey. It's so funny because in New Zealand and Australia, even if summer was coming to an end, summer doesn't feel like it's coming to an end for another like Four months because yeah. in autumn it's still really warm. So my birthday's in March, which is autumn, mm-hmm. but it's just always hot. Mm-hmm. Whereas in London, summer's coming to an end and it is just over. Yeah, and like it's sort of coming to an end. Like it's coming to an end in yeah a few weeks. Yeah, it's um very I know sad. it is very sad. Auckland just went into. I don't actually know if it's the whole of New Zealand or just Auckland. No, I think it's just Auckland. Yeah, another um, lockdown. And New Zealand Fashion Week got pushed back. Australia also found out that their lockdown is going to last until, what is it, 70% of the population is fully vaxxed. I think New South Wales is like the gnarliest. They'll, they're going to be in lockdown for quite a while. So our hearts go out to you. I said that in an email the other day and Izzy was like, that's embarrassing. <laughs> but, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. I want to be positive about us not going back in um the kids have just started running up and down the balcony again in my apartment block they always do like (laughs) bang on when we start recording but yeah I, i like when we got let out of ours at the beginning of summer my first thing was oh we'll just be back in by winter and i just want to not i want that to not happen obviously so i don't want to like will that into existence by using the secret but 
it's scary because... Do you believe in the secret? We've talked about this before, haven't we? Yeah. I do. I haven't used it in ages, but I might start using it again to get rich or something. Well, sometimes I think that's why in lockdown, both of us were feeling all confused and like we were floundering around with no idea of what we were doing. And I feel like it's because when I was younger, I used to really believe in the secret and I would write down what I wanted to be doing, but I'd write down as if that was what I was doing. So I'd be like, in five years time, I'll be working at a magazine and I'll be this and I'll be that. And I'll be like, I'll have a podcast. Happy and healthy and have a podcast. And like, I I did used to be super, super specific. And when I read them back, all of the things that I would have written down came true. Yeah. I think, I think the secret was like framed as some sort of mystic woo woo thing, but it's just basic psychology that whatever you're spending the most time focusing on, is what your brain is like thinking about and then acting towards. It's like how yeah. who, the five people you spend the most time with like influence your life more than I think most other indicators. Mm. Because if you're with people all the time that are say really ambitious with their career or are really into motherhood or are really into cooking or whatever, you're just going to go that way. Yeah. So then I was thinking recently, maybe that's why I can't, get motivated to do specific tasks because I just haven't written down anything to work towards and haven't been channeling the secret. So I yeah, definitely let's don't. Let's do it. Let's do it tonight. Let's like burn yeah. some sage, yes. write down our the secret and put it, I don't know, well, under our pillows or something. How yeah. does it work? You still haven't seen um, Bewitched. Bewitched. I know. You, you should watch that. We yeah. can't watch it tonight because Izzy's making me watch. Love Island. Love Island, the final. I got like a play. It's not the final. The final's next final week. week but, yeah, right? Final week. Right, second last week. I got a play-by-play on the tube, but yes. we will hear it again. I was pulling up each couple and going to Google image search and then telling Grace about them on the tube for our entire half-hour journey because, yeah, Love Island is getting down to the – I think it's the final next week or just like it's there's five couples left basically – and unlike other seasons, everyone's super strong and everyone's super cute. And I just have no idea who will win. No one, if you don't care about this, you, you're missing out. But basically, there's this couple called Jake and Liberty who had been together since the start. And I thought they were going to win because they literally paired up on the first day. And they've been together ever since. And they're boyfriend and girlfriend now. But then Jake turned out to be this little snake. And he was, like, telling all the boys to... You're, like, manically scratching your eye while you tell me this. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And he was telling all the boys to cheat on the girls and cast her more. And then that got played over the big screen. And he also said, which I don't, I literally don't think I could come back from this. He also said that when he first got with Liberty, who's this little sweet angelic girl, that he wasn't physically attracted to her that much. And so he wasn't sure about it. And then they played that on the big screen. Imagine someone, Imagine your partner saying that about you on national television. I know. Or ever. What do I do about these kids? I don't know. You're going to go yell at them. No, I don't. Oh, I'm scared. I don't know. It's just stressful. God, we're literally right outside. <laughs> <laughs> God, it's like witching hour. That's when school finishes. The on rollerblades are going up and down. <laughs> this is crazy. I want to tell him off, but I just he just saw me. I gave him the evils. Get your inner Karen Let's see now. If that will. 
Um, then I'll teach him. <laughs> just like open the window and shut it again and gave him the evils, and he just like looked at me funny. Yeah, imagine. Imagine seeing that after so like they've now been together since the start so for seven weeks and their boyfriend and girlfriend so he obviously really likes her now but at the start he wasn't sure because he didn't think she was super hot no they can't win then that's not very romantic and now she's seeing that on the screen and she was Uh just like feeling really insecure and upset and i was like i literally wouldn't be able to ever feel good about myself again ever if i found that out yeah it's horrible. Terrible. And then, yeah, there's Millie and Liam, who I talked about a few weeks ago, and Liam was, um, I have to go tell the kids off. <laughs> oh, well done, Izzy. Thank you. You smashed that. You were very polite and professional. I was like, do you know what a podcast is? I have a podcast and it's <laughs> and really this, important. This little seven-year-old on rollerblades is just like looking at me with his, <laughs> his, um, a Spider-Man uh, face. People need to hear on. my thoughts on the Afghanistan invasion and, and they need and, to hear it soon. And they also need to hear about my favorite Love Island couples. I'm busy. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, I really hope Millie and Liam win – even though he had this moment in Catherine where he was, wasn't sure if he was going to pick this other girl called Lily. But we like like a redemption tale. We do. Kaz and Tyler, the, those hot ones I showed you, Red, Tyler's like the ridiculously good looking yeah, guy. Yeah, he's really attractive. And Kaz is obviously really pretty. And then Faye and Teddy. And Faye is the really, really fiery hot one who keeps going off it. Like she literally loses her marbles at everyone <laughs> in the villa. And she just goes off it. Teddy was like, the sweetest, most amazing angel in Casa Amor. And Faye saw a video of him going, oh, yeah, I think you're quite attractive to another girl and lost it for yeah. like three days. Very relatable. Yeah. And then every time she cries, she goes, oh, I'm going to have to get more Botox now. <laughs> also very relatable. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what have you been consuming? Because that's all I've been doing, trying to catch up. Yeah, so in the spirit of like mixing highbrow and lowbrow content, I listened to a pod called Red Line, which I was telling you about. It's two New Zealand journalists and it's talking about China's influence in New Zealand. And it's really scary and it's got me in like a rabbit hole of Chinese expanding diplomacy and their like plans for the future. (laughs) And I'm scared. I mean, I think people feel like you can't talk about being fearful of China's plans for global expansion without being somehow like racist Mm. which is very bizarre because these are just like factual things that are happening that are just about like a policy of expansion basically they china's figured out that the way that you expand now isn't by like invading like during world war ii they basically it's kind of genius they pay places heaps of money to create like ports and railway systems and then they know they can't pay it back so then they seize they lease back the port or the railway system for 99 years as, like, a repayment. Wait, so they, like, lend money? Yeah, like, heaps of money. Like, Vanuatu, Pakistan, and New Zealand. (laughs) And there's these really cute two guys that they interview that wanted to set up, like, a 4G company. (laughs) They're so crazy. They sound so dopey. And, like, yeah, so these guys came over and just gave us $6 million. And we're like, (laughs) great. (laughs) And they, they plundered it all in, like, two seconds and made no money. And then China just repossessed it. So they just own this, like, giant network of stuff in somewhere in, like, rural New Zealand now. And they're just very slowly, quietly doing this at key places so they can own, like, shipping routes and things like that. God. Um, and then I watched this YouTube. They're going to, like, offer to buy 
our podcast for six million dollars. I hope they do. They're welcome to it. <laughs> and they own like a huge amount of Africa, basically, like the continent of Africa. I watched this really interesting video about like the history of China and Chinese foreign relations, which I know sounds stale, but it's really interesting. And basically everyone thought Trump was like really hard on China, but he was actually just a fucking idiot and did all these things that just like made China more powerful. God. Um, so it's kind of scary because they have that's such a crazy way to go about it. Like it's it's just it's so smart and so like quiet and under the radar. Yeah, because if you're approaching people, not governments, mm-hmm. so them approaching like those two dopey guys who wanted to launch a company, <laughs> and the dopey guys being like, "Yeah," and then didn't you you were like telling me about this before, and the guys wouldn't say anything bad about China because they were yeah. like, "No, well they just gave us the money. They were just good guys." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there's all these human rights violations going on over there, like really extremely terrible and they i mean they were rightly talking about they think they were maori the guys and they were talking about how they don't feel in a position to say okay new zealand and australia and the u.s and the uk are the good guys and china's the bad guys because they're committing like human rights violations against you know ethnic minorities or whatever which is fair enough i think all of this stuff is like we'll see when we talk about afghanistan it's like showcasing how just morally corrupt like the US and the UK and like colonial countries mm-hmm. are so it's like they're like if it's a choice between China and the US for example it's not like one's a good guy and one's the bad guy you're just weighing up a decision yeah but then it's scary because obviously if there's like no freedom of the press and like political dissidents are being like jailed and all of this stuff then it's kind of terrifying yeah yeah and then I watched four seasons of Gossip Girl <laughs> oh my god four I watched four it's Since been when? a couple of weeks right that's basically all I did when I was away. Love. Very good to rewatch. Doesn't stand up particularly well. In the pilot, Chuck Bass tries to rape two people, oh <laughs> two main God. characters, Serena and Jenny. I was like, what am I watching? This is so fucked. Yeah, and I remember the Jenny thing. I remember the Jenny thing and I forgot the Serena one. Serena one. It's just so messy and they just turn him into this like, lovable rogue of the past. <laughs> what? so crazy and there's like a bit where rufus comes in and he's like uh chuck's like i thought we were friends and he's like that's before i found out you tried to rape my 14 year old daughter and he's like i said sorry about that oh my god (laughs) so crazy and then rufus like apologizes for jumping to conclusions the show is such a mess but i love it Mm -hmm. lily is the best character serena's mum. yes serena's mum's the best character at the moment, she's in jail because she falsely signed an affidavit saying that Serena's teacher had statutory raped her. There's a lot of that in the show. And it wasn't true. So he went to jail for like five years and then he oh plotted to have God. Serena murdered from That's jail. That's right. Such a good show. Such a good show. Yeah, Lily is the best character by far. I'm trying to think of who else is a good character. I really like Blair. Yeah, I like Blair as well. She's. A, I was actually thinking it's very similar to Friends where everyone loved Jennifer Aniston, but Courtney Cox was kind of the MVP of the show. Yes. It's a bit like that. Yeah, not that many takeaways, except it's just, <laughs> it's just crazy how, especially the elitism wealth stuff is so interesting because um, like how Blair has like a literal maid who speaks in like broken English and she always forces to do menial tasks and stuff. Yeah, that's. And treats her like a servant who has like, two brain cells it's like quite jarring to watch that nowadays yeah i mean done in a more nuanced way but it's kind of similar like white lotus the finale happened on monday um so that's that show that i kept talking about that came out on hbo 
and it was filmed entirely during COVID and it's got like this amazing cast with Jennifer Coolidge. That's why she's been all over the press recently. Connie Britton, Sydney Sweeney from Euphoria, Alexandra Dardio, a whole bunch of people. And yeah, it was the season finale on Monday and the whole show was just so good. It's so hilarious. Um, and yeah, it's, it's like focused on wealth and capitalism and like elitism as well Mm. and they just like touch on all of these topics in such a great way so like the opening episode for example is the honeymooners so alexandra dadio and her husband he's a famous actor i can't remember his name they get to the resort and find out that they haven't been given the honeymoon suite they've been given another suite and so he just goes nuts like absolutely nuts because he's rich and wealthy and wants the best of the best and his wife who's a journalist she's gone freelance I think and she was like it's fine honey just don't worry about it and then the whole show is him trying to get back at the hotel Mm. for fucking them over um but yeah it's really good Jennifer Coolidge just gets better and better in it she's so funny um in the last episode she starts hooking up with a man who's also in the hotel and she brings him back to her room and then starts telling him how crazy she is and going on and on and on about how crazy she is. And she's like, you should just go. And he goes, no, I still want to fuck you. And she goes, really? <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> I love her. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, people are saying she might get nominated for an Emmy for it. She absolutely should. I haven't seen a second of it, yeah. but I believe it. Um, but, yeah, that's all I've I've been doing other than trying to feverishly catch up to love island because it's on every second of the day yeah oh and one more thing that i really liked this week and i know you read it too is a piece by maggie Zhao for refinery 29 australia and in it she talks all about having bisexual imposter syndrome so the piece is called am i queer enough to call myself bi and maggie shared on instagram which is where i saw it and she basically is talking about how when she was 21 she kind of started thinking that maybe she was bi she started having feelings for women and whenever these thoughts would kind of come in she would just try and reject them and try and just push them away because she just didn't want to address it and then she also felt she says that every single time she tries to express or tell anyone that she's bisexual it sounded like an apology and like it wasn't true and like she has to caveat it by kind of you know, when she says it, she'll hold her two fingers in the air. What is that called? Like air, air quotes. Air quotes. Air quotation, yeah. Um, and, you, you know, pull a grimace or just deflect from it. And I found it really interesting because I think that so many women feel this way. So Maggie's been in a relationship with a man for six years. So she's always thought that she doesn't have enough experience to call herself by. She, I don't know is with a man so people won't take her her or that announcement as seriously Mm -hmm. she also thought that kind of being bi or i think the assumption until you look into it of being bi is that you're attracted to both genders equally Mm -hmm. whereas it's it's really normal to lean towards a specific gender and and it's just it's just like interesting because I think that even though we've come so far in terms of not having to label things and and not adhering to the binary, bisexuality still feels as if it's this kind of thing that people either think is a phase or they don't really believe you or they kind of brush it aside 
and it just doesn't feel like anyone's taken that seriously when they say they're bisexual. Yeah, no, 100%. I think it's like in Sex in the City when Carrie dates a bi guy and she's like, you know, I don't buy this bi thing. Just pick a side. Yeah. You read that? And I think there's still this kind of very ignorant ideology that bisexuality is, yeah, either someone in denial about being queer. I mean, it is queer, someone in denial about being like homosexual or it's someone, yeah, either doing it for attention or experimenting or going through a phase or something. I think there's still a lot of kind of, I don't know if the word is social stigma. I guess it is social stigma. And, yeah, just ignorance around bisexuality. And I think it has, like, genuine repercussions. So we read some more pieces that have come out in the last few weeks about this topic. There was a Irish Olympian, Jack Woolley, who was beaten up in Ireland after winning at the Olympics, who's bisexual, and he talks about being homophobically targeted Mm. um and then there was another piece in the guardian australia about a 50 year old man who is called patrick gosselin and the headline is i make my bisexuality clear to new dates with most women that disclosure signals the end and he basically wrote a piece about how complex it is to date as a bisexual man particularly in that older generation but i i mean i imagine particularly Gen Z, perhaps it's not, there's not as much of that kind of stigma or ignorance, but I do think that that is like a hangover of like homophobia is that there are women who are scared or put off dating bisexual men. Yeah, definitely. Well, Maggie, Maggie put in the piece, 44% of Australians say they're not at all open to dating someone who's bisexual. So that's, like a lot of the population. Yeah. It reminds huge. me of um to go lowbrow again. It reminds me of Love is Blind. When, yes. Um what is it? Diamond, Diamond and Carlton. Yeah, and Carlton was so sweet and amazing. Well, until he turned crazy. Until he turned crazy. But he was so sweet and amazing at the time. And he was just like, Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that I'm bisexual. And then she just had the biggest problem with it. I'd like to think that I just wouldn't have a problem with it, but I think it would I think I think that the thing that would play on my mind would be I'm just a jealous person anyway. So I'd be like, God, now I've got to look out for everybody. It's more, yeah, Every yeah. single person. <laughs> like I already just I'm look jealous at, of. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think now that we're talking about it, it's the first time I've really thought about it. And obviously talking it out, I know I would not have a problem with it yeah. at all. But I think maybe my knee-jerk reaction, if I hadn't taken the time to sit and think and discuss it and read pieces on it and inform myself – might have been a more like ignorant reaction of thinking maybe, oh, does this mean they're gay and I am fooling myself or something? Like I think there is just so much ignorance about bi visibility Mm. and bi relationships. I even think about the way the media treats Miley Cyrus and they treat her relationships with women as kind of passing fads and funny and wild girl Miley and then her relationships with men as very serious, monogamous, long-term commitments. There's a lot of – like the the whole thing when she was photographed kissing – I can't remember what her name was. Caitlin Brody Carter Jenner's. or something. Yeah. <laughs> well done. That was treated as kind of a, a pop culture joke mm. versus if she'd have been spotted kissing – I can't even think of a, a single guy. male celebrity, Timothy Chalamet. I don't know. People would have said, hot new relationship, who Miley moved on from Liam with. There's, there's this level of not taking relationships – 
like bisexual celebrities not taking their relationships with persons of the same gender seriously, which I think just informs all of this stuff. And even in terms of TV, pop culture, books, of all of the like queer community, I feel like uh, bi people are least represented. Mm. And I think like the thing that drew me to Maggie's piece especially is her talking about the fact that she feels not queer enough to call herself queer Mm. because she's with a man. So she's like, I am attracted to women, but I don't particularly have that much experience dating women. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I can't put myself into this category. And she's just like, who do I think I am trying to take up this space for other people who are clearly more, like I don't know, like more bi than me. Like I don't know if that's a thing or just have more experience as a bisexual than me. And I think so many women feel like that. Like I feel like I kind of, and so I, I feel like when I was younger, I used to feel like that as well, where I would mm-hmm. just be like, I've been attracted to women, never had like a relationship with a woman, have had crushes on women in the past, may or may not have had a few passes. Dalliances. With, yeah, but not in like, and that's funny because when you say that, it sounds like it's in a girls gone wild party way where you're just experimenting or whatever, but it was actually like I fully considered dating this really cute blonde girl in Sydney. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, in Auckland. And there's, like, so much queer baiting that goes on as well. So I think people are very cynical about people coming out as bi or coming out as queer because so many, like, celebrities shamelessly do it to make themselves look edgy or cool or modern or appeal to Gen Z. And, like, that makes a – it makes it all feel really confusing. And obviously when we were younger, there was, especially as teens, there was this idea of getting drunk and hooking up with girls as being this attention-seeking performative thing for men Mm. that wasn't about your sexual attraction to the woman. It was about performing to, like, the male gaze. Like, there's so many complicated layers of it that I can just see how you'd feel so confused. You don't want to – yeah, exactly. Like, you don't want to be queer baiting and being like, well, I'm bisexual, and especially if you're dating a guy Mm -hmm. or you have been dating a guy your whole life because then other people are just like, okay, clap, clap. Yeah, and how do you tell people? You You could be like, I am also attracted to women. And people will be like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, But you you feel like you're keeping it a secret if you don't say it out loud. It's really interesting. I know. And whenever I see celebrities come out and be like, you know, I am not only attracted to men, I'm also attracted to women. Like I'm trying to think of examples, but a lot of models have done that before. My instinct has been to roll my eyes and be like, God, they're doing this to get attention or get a headline or seem hot. And that's obviously, again, part of my own, like, ignorance of Mm. how it's been framed in our our culture. It's very, very interesting. Yeah, I remember even – I think as well conversations about this sort of stuff are so hard to have in some situations because I remember, for example, I said to my friend who's gay, she's married to a woman, and she was like – I said something like just something stupid and – like drunk where I was just like god I just I mean you have said it before where I was like god I just wish we were like sexually attracted to each other because that would make life so much easier mm-hmm. I obviously wouldn't want to date a man if I didn't have the choice have, yeah. if I had the choice like why would anyone and then she was just like that's like the most annoying thing for lesbians to ever hear and I was like mm-hmm. I'm really fucking sorry but it's just like, <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry yeah <laughs> but it's just learning all of these things so then of course you would feel weird saying you're bi to people because you just don't know how it's going to come across or be taken by, like, other people in the, that community. Yeah, 100%. It's, um, yeah, I think it's really important to just talk about. Yeah. And also in Maggie's piece, she said, which I had no idea about, she said, what I'm learning 
is to embrace this gray area, this unknown. I'm going to get it wrong some of the time, but the more I'm in this, the more I realize there's not really a right or wrong. This unknown is actually written into the queer experience. The Q in LGBTQIA plus doesn't only stand for queer, it stands for questioning. That's nice. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's true. I thought that was a cute thing she made up to end the article. No. Wonderful. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In a more serious, somber uh event this week obviously everyone's like twitter and instagram feeds and news feeds have been full of terrible images and news coming out of afghanistan we're obviously not a hard hitting news pod but we wanted to give you guys a bit of a kind of dummies guide to what's happening there essentially it's now been 20 years since the u.s went into afghanistan which is so crazy to me that's wild so since 9-11 Oh, my God. I know. It's nuts. So basically after 9-11, um, uh, people, intelligence services in the U.S. believed that Afghanistan was harboring al-Qaeda, including Osama bin Laden. So they invaded Afghanistan and the idea was to get him, basically, and al-Qaeda. But the Taliban at that time was in control. Afghanistan has had like a long history of civil wars and infighting and no one's really – Russia was in there in the 90s and it's just been a kind of mess for a very long time. America went in on this kind of pretext of getting bin Laden as a post 9-11 thing and, and jailing the people responsible. And they kind of, as they got in, because the Taliban is a very restrictive government that uh, follows an extremely strict interpretation of the Quran which bans women from getting an education. They have to wear head full headdresses. Men are not allowed to shave their beard. They believe in punishment by, like, amputation. If you steal, they engage in public stonings. It's, like, a very scary and, like, antiquated approach to religion and to governing. The U.S. basically decided when they invaded that they were going to try and remake Afghanistan as a kind of Western-style democracy So they picked a government who was then democratically elected. They had free press. Women were allowed to get an education and work. And the country kind of transformed, but it was always the Taliban were kind of close and it was kept at bay by U.S. Army. 
And it was a very unpopular I knew, wall. like, none of that. I didn't know any of that until, like, yeah. I know bits and yeah. bobs, but not a lot. Yeah, I knew about the Taliban, but I didn't know. And I knew about the government, but I didn't know all that stuff about how the US had appointed them. And then that was what kind of gave women all of this freedom. Yes. This is why this is kind of complicated, because basically... It's like that thing with Western countries meddling has fucked yes. things up, but at the same time... It has given this whole generation of Afghani population access to an education that they might not have had otherwise, but it was a hugely unpopular, expensive war, and the way that they've gone about basically since Obama, people have been trying to get America out of Afghanistan because they haven't really won. They've been fighting the Taliban this whole time. They funneled so much money into it. Thousands of American soldiers have died and British and Australian and elsewhere. And it has Vietnam vibes. Like it just, they were never winning. They didn't really understand the country. And it was always just working on them having a lot of manpower there. So the idea was always they were going to leave. And then Trump brokered a deal with the Taliban to create peace, (laughs) quote unquote peace. And then Biden inherited that. And he basically decided this is hugely unpopular. We've got to do it at some point. We've been there for 20 years and all the money and training and expertise and everything we've thrown at the Afghani army hasn't resolved any of the social and political issues there. We're just going to leave, basically. And also this is like, so, because I've been seeing for weeks, or was this just because of Biden's decision, I was seeing for weeks or maybe even like a month the Taliban taking over different cities and getting closer and closer. So in May he said they were going to leave in September. Right, so the Taliban's just been like, Yeah, and I think the Taliban is 70,000 fighters. The Afghani army was 300,000 fighters. They thought that after they left on September 11th, so on the 20th anniversary to the day is the day they're leaving, which is weird. They thought after that they'd have a a year to 18 months to take out all the American embassy workers, to take out, like, the journalists and diplomats that had worked with them, to take out, like, set up a system where the, the army was fully trained, to set up a – there was even things like American engineers were the only people that knew how to service the planes that were part of the army. Right. That was one of their highest tactical things that they had on the Taliban. Like, the Taliban overran the entire country – on uh, like 16th of August. America hasn't even left yet. Like that's how quickly they did it. Like no one can believe it basically. Yeah. So that was what we were seeing on the 16th was all of the images of the people fleeing to the airport and trying to get on the American planes. So those were the people that America had said, you're going to get to leave because we know the Taliban, if they do come, will retaliate against you because you've worked with Americans in different positions. They'd granted them some form of like – yeah diplomatic visa and they were working through it slowly and then all of a sudden within two days this happened they have they've just sent in thousands of people because there's still like people in the embassy and stuff that in the uk in the us that are just there that they haven't been able to get out so it's pretty terrifying and then there's obviously the question of what the taliban being in power will mean for this whole generation of women who for 20 years have been able to get an education work as journalists work in different jobs who will now go back to this, like, horrible way of being. But it's also just so confusing because you want to, like, you want to blame the US because, like, their meddling just never fucking works and it just caused so much, like, pain and destruction. And you, I just don't understand how this was the most effective way of, like, pulling out 
but it has offered the country like at least I think a third of the population is under 30. It's like a third of the country has had access to like democracy and education and whatever for the last 20 years and people hoping that that means they'll Oh my god! Like yeah. rise up against the government. There's been so many pieces written from Afghan women. So there was one on, obviously anonymously, on the Guardian. She's in Kabul, which is the capital of Afghanistan, and she said that early on Sunday morning, I was heading to university for a class when a group of women came running for, out from the women's dormitory. I asked what happened, and one of them told me the police were evacuating them because the Taliban had arrived, and they'll beat all women who do not have a burqa. We wanted to get home, but we couldn't use public transport. The drivers wouldn't let us in their cars because they didn't want to take responsibility for transporting a woman. It was even worse for the women from the dormitory who were from outside of Kabul and were scared and confused about where they could go. Meanwhile, the men standing around were making fun of girls and women, laughing at our terror. Go and put on your burqa, one called out. It's your last day of being on the streets, said another. I will marry four of you in one day, said a third. This is like literally two days ago. It's so fucked. So she said that she'd nearly completed two degrees from two of the best universities in Afghanistan. She should have graduated in November, but this morning everything flashed before my eyes. I worked for so many days and nights to become the person I am today, and this morning when I reached home, the very first thing my sisters and I did was hide our IDs, diplomas, and certificates. As a woman, I feel like I'm a victim of this political war that men started. I feel like I can no longer laugh out loud. I can no longer listen to my favorite songs. I can no longer meet my friends at our favorite cafe. I can no longer wear my favorite yellow dress or pink lipstick. And I can no longer go to my job or finish this university degree. I just can't even imagine what it would be like for that to happen to you, like, literally overnight. Yeah, she said she walked past the nail salon she she usually goes to for manicures. And the shop front had been completely, like, whitewashed overnight. Like, just disappeared. It's so fucked. It's very, like, The Handmaid's Tale-esque. I think the thing that's so difficult is that the Taliban has a lot of mainstream support in that country. Like, they, the reason mm. they progress so quickly is because all of these kind of rural – it's like any country, like the rural country areas are the most conservative. Yeah. Those areas didn't even fight them. They literally came out and were like, it's all good, you can come. And people were making agreements to be, like, cabinet ministers in their new government if they didn't kill people in the town, which is obviously, like, such a impossible situation to pass judgment on if you haven't been in it. But it's there's a huge amount of support for the Taliban, and I think that the government that the U.S. installed has had a lot of, like, flaws and fucked up human rights breaches as well. So... You can't really just take a country that's had a certain way of living for 2,000, 5,000 years mm. and just shove, yeah. <laughs> like, a Western democratic view of what you think is the right thing onto it. But at the same time, obviously, for women, there's just no question that the old system is a trillion times better than the new system. I don't know what the answer is. Mm. Biden's basically just been like, it was always going to be fucking shit when we left. So what? Yeah. So that's that, it. Yeah, that's it. Because he's like, we gave them an army of 300,000 and like the best, some of the best army equipment in the whole world and 20 years of support and training. And like, I don't know the ins and outs of the situation there, but he's basically saying like, we tried for an extremely long time to give them all of the tools to fight this off on their own. And like, this is how much it hasn't worked. 
And I think there was a feeling in the US that as soon as the US retreated, it was inevitable the Taliban would come back because they just couldn't change public opinion. Mm. Um, But it's just really like those images of people at the airport and the thought of like what's going to happen to women now is so scary. Yeah, it's so scary. It just just, like probably means there's just going to be another refugee crisis. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The one kind of not good but the only image that – was nice that I saw was how all of the, those people flooded the aircraft, the US aircraft that was taking off, and hundreds of people flooded onto it. There was like 800 people on it, and instead mm. of kicking them off, they just took off the plane, even though it was like a thousand times over capacity. Oh, and just flew with them on it. Yeah. So it's, it's like, it's, yeah, ridiculously scary. It feels like that can't actually be what's happening in the world right now i know so yeah it's so nuts but well there's a lot of amazing like charitable initiatives and things if you're like wondering what you can do to help to support women in afghanistan so we'll pop some of those in the show notes yes um harry and megan actually put on the archwell site a bunch of resources today if oh you God. also want to go to archwell doing the work i know <laughs> they released it um because harry obviously had served to terms or whatever the fuck it's called in afghanistan that's right um and then he they released a joint statement today calling the world very fragile they're so genre like i just they're so cute but i'm just like so no cute. one cares yeah and their statement <laughs> so they did a statement and they put organizations that can help and then underneath they put mental health resources which are just so cute and genre and i know they're such muffins yeah and then montecito mansion they're like oh my god yeah. <laughs> it's like the women Have in afghanistan seen? aren't going to archworld.com to find their mental health resources uh. right now <laughs> oh my god those two i know okay on to a lighter topic, we are now going to talk about Zola, which is the movie that we were so obsessed to see based off the viral Twitter thread in, like, 2016 or something? 15, 15. I think. Um, Ancient history. And the movie has just come out in London. But we're also aware – we're not going to spoil anything because you just read the Twitter thread and it's all spoiled. Yeah. But um, if anyone doesn't want to hear any – basically reviews of what we thought of the movie until they've seen it until they've yeah. seen it then this is the end Check of the pod now, for you the road. <laughs> this is the end of the Love road you. Bye. and you can head to patreon for a whole nother episode yeah anyway zola so i went and saw it last night and i've been so excited to see it because i've been obsessed with taylor page and Riley Kyo for ages, and I love their friendship. I just got on this Instagram obsession with them. They've become best friends since the movie. Riley seems really cool. Do you know who she is? No, she's Elvis's granddaughter. Oh my god! Yeah, she's. That's why I was like, wow, I didn't know she was a good actress because I thought she was just like a nepotism job. But she's no really good. So I had heard that she was really good because Taylor Page had put up some big tribute to her on Instagram, being like how she always puts in a hundred. 200 percent for everything or something cute but yeah it what did you think yeah so maybe for like a little bit more context it was a viral twitter thread about a woman called zola who was a stripper who went on a wild trip 
dancing to Florida with this like white girl she'd met at Hooters the day before <laughs> the day before and it's this like what's the opening tweet it's so funny it's like she, she put up four photos of her and Jessica and then said something like yeah. y'all want to hear a story y'all, y'all want to hear a story about why me and this bitch here fell out it's kind of long but full of suspense yeah. and then it's like 250 tweets or something and it's just the most insane story and you were telling me it got optioned straight away. Mm-hmm. James Franco won the rights and he was going to adapt it with a screenplay written by two white dudes. Yeah. And thankfully. <laughs> so he, he'd he heaps of people were approaching Zola straight away trying to make it into a movie. Like Ava DuVernay and Solange and all these people were responding to the tweets. So it went fully How viral. did Franco win? <laughs> I know. Well, she actually said, because I read the New York Magazine did a huge feature with her, which I've got somewhere in this house. And I read it and she was basically saying that all of these companies were trying to contact her but knew that she was just a random person who had no industry knowledge. So they were just trying to fucking, like, pay her a dollar, basically, to have the rights for the movie. Mm-hmm. And she was like, no, she just knew it was wrong. And then James Franco flew to, I think she lives in Atlanta, flew mm-hmm. there and, like, spent heaps of time with her family and got to know them. Butted and she, her up. Yeah, butted her <laughs> up, basically. Um, and also said that he would should have way more control over it. Then he went completely silent and then dropped out of the movie completely after like years of back and forth. And it was right before all of those sexual misconduct allegations came out about him. Mm -hmm. So then Zola was just like, what the fuck is going on? Is this just not even going to get made? And then Jodie Turner-Smith, who we love. A queen. A queen was at a party at the, um, what's what's it called? Chateau Marmont oh, yeah. in, in West Hollywood and heard that James Franco had pulled out. And so she contacted her friend, Janixa Bravo, and was like, you you have to get this script and you have to make this movie. And then Janixa won it, brought on Jeremy O'Harris to co-write it for her. And then that's what we have now. Yes. And Jeremy O'Harris is like this amazing uh, Tony-winning playwright, millennial, cool legend with like a very I follow him on Instagram. good Instagram yeah yes yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was always going to be this like and it's a24 which is like a really cool f- film studio so it was always going to be this very cool art house adaptation of this Twitter thread and it's also the first movie to ever adapt a Twitter thread into a movie so it was a tall order mm-hmm. I loved the movie I thought it was really strong I thought the performances were amazing I really enjoyed watching it. I don't know if it's informed by the fact that I read the Twitter thread at the time and had such a fun, like, rollicking memory of it, but it felt it felt like it didn't fully capture the tone of the Twitter thread, which sounds like it's being nitpicky, but the Twitter thread was so fun and silly and stupid, and they, they kind of tried to go in that direction instead of it being this very serious somber story, which was great, but... sometimes I felt like I don't know if it was the tone or the pacing like something just didn't quite capture it I left being like it was a beautiful movie and I'm glad I saw it but if I could choose between the 148 tweets like messy typo filled tweets and this the twitter thread told the story better yeah it's like that thing of the book being better than the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is really annoying because you, you can see basically the cast is incredible and they mm-hmm. all do give such amazing performances. I, I thought I like really loved all of the main characters' performances. Obviously, like the director and the writers are great and really cool. Zola, the real Zola, had a lot to do with it. She was a producer on the movie. Mm. Um, 
so it's all the makings of being great but i felt the same where it's like the thing that made the twitter thread go viral is that it was so funny because of the language she used mm-hmm. and because of the way she spoke and the and the the funny phrases she said like she said something where she found out jessica was charging only a hundred dollars to trap which is um guys paying for sex and she was just like bitch this pussy's worth thousands (laughs) like and then when it came across in the movie it just didn't land the same way because it's it's split up in all these hilarious tweets and And when you're watching it like i think this was always the challenge with the movie is it's about two young women that work as strippers and then one of them doesn't make enough money so she has to go to a hotel and have sex with gross old men 20 times in a night to make up the money she would have made so it's like sad yeah <laughs> so this it's very hard to watch that like the great thing about a tweet is it's happening so quickly and abstractly that you're not actually thinking about what that scene looks like but when you've just watched riley Keogh's character have sex with a really horrible looking man in a sex scene even if the sex scene was kind of funny and wasn't super dark and twisted her saying that thing about like you know you should be getting thousands of dollars for pussy it just makes you feel sad because you're like yeah. oh she's just done that for a hundred dollars that's awful as yeah. opposed to being like <laughs> yeah. like it's not so then the tone was kind of off because what you're watching happen is just very like tragic and exploitative and awful <laughs> but then yeah the tone of how zola like zola's voice is so like fresh and funny and then i think the way that the scripts developed the tweets was basically just to use the tweets like to the word mm. which like kind of didn't explore a lot of things that could have been cool in an adaptation. I thought like it didn't really explore how she'd exaggerated it or how like the story obviously had been embellished or was not true in certain areas or how she'd obviously tried to make herself look better than Jessica. Or just and, yeah. even like gone a bit further. Like it, it, because obviously she's got, they're going off the tweets and the tweets is the story. And that's literally what you see on screen. So my boyfriend has read the tweets heaps of times he was on that introduced me to them that's why we talked about it a few months ago because i was like oh my god i was drunk and was reading out these tweets and so he kind of knows them really well as if you've read a book a bunch of times and so he was just like for me the movie felt quite boring because it was so literal there was nothing new it wasn't like they explored zola's backstory anymore it's not like you you didn't feel any kind of affinity for zola really at all because the way that the movie is shown is it's based off her tweets which are based off something off things happening to her because she's the one telling the story so it's like it removes her from even being a main character even though the movie is about her Mm -hmm. and it was all things happening to her so it was like jessica became the main character kind of because zola was like talking so much about her and like zola ends up in the film taylor page ends up like facing the other way while jessica's doing all these sex scenes and she doesn't even say that much she she's like quite Taylor Page does really well with like her expressions. She's obviously a really good actress and she's an incredible dancer and does mm. like the most with what she has. But at the same time, it felt like I left the cinema so excited to see Taylor Page. And then I left being like, oh, Riley Keel was amazing. Yeah. She was so great. And and she's supposed to be the second character, but but she played a bigger part because in the tweets she plays a bigger part because Zola's like trying to, like you said, deflect and act like she's not doing any of this stuff. Yeah, and even, like, the Cousin Greg character, I can't remember what his name was, but the boyfriend played by Cousin Greg from Succession, it was almost like he, because Zola was witnessing these two, like, messy, insane white people couple, they end up getting, like, a lot more of the, like, nuance and character arcs, like you say, because she's focusing on them, whereas, like, her and the pimp character end up feeling kind of 
two-dimensional to a certain extent because they're both almost observing yeah <laughs> this like crazy girl and her weird boyfriend yeah which is yeah it's really interesting i agree i would have been really cool to to see them kind of like do a, a different type of like adaptation of it but it was still i get also what they were doing which was like just trying to do a straight adaptation of a twitter thread in the most interesting way and also they could they did it in a way that kept zola really happy which i think can't have been easy yeah yeah because she was a producer on it this is always the challenge when like the talent that you're doing a thing about is involved is you just never go no you never question their motives you never challenge their version of events you never it's just quite but even just like being a journalist and doing a profile on someone, I always end up just wanting to be their friend. Yeah, you're like they're beautiful and great and, <laughs> and lovely, good and amazing. There was some interesting, a uh, few interesting reviews. There was a particularly good one in the Guardian that just talked about how difficult it is, how the movie was so good and every element of it was so well done that it just showed like the limits of taking a viral internet thing and trying to turn it into a movie. And it talked about how. Um, the Anna Delvey story in the cut, the um, cat person story, and uh, like Fire Festival obviously happened, and then the GameStop thing that happened this year are all being currently adapted into movies. And we're like now in this generation where people are just taking viral content and trying to turn it into like storytelling, but mm. that it hasn't ever worked super effectively yet. It's like how there's been no good movies about social media, yeah, that I can think of, yeah. I know, I know. And, like, something like the way Romeo and Juliet was adapted was so cool because it was so different. Yeah. And then I feel like with Zola, it was so short. It was only it was 90 minutes, which I actually love. I love a short movie. Same. But it was so It felt sh- even shorter. When it ended, I was like, oh. Yeah, but it was so short because, like, that, <laughs> that's, like, as much as you can really pull out of 150 tweets. Yeah. But, yeah, I agree. I, fi- I feel like it's crazy that there's seven movies coming out about GameStop. I'm not going to watch a single one of those. No, that'll be so boring. Fucking hell. Like, seven movies about Anna. Cat person will be good, hopefully. That's that- – that's, um, Nicholas Braun from Succession is working on that as well. Oh my god, he's going to be the lumberjack is he? guy, and is is he? No, I think so. Yeah, oh I think god. he is. He's not who I pictured for some reason, but I'm sure he'll be good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I thought the music was great. Loved yeah. the way it was shot. Yeah, loved the way it was shot too. It looked really cool. So Taylor Page is the one that everyone thought was maybe going out with Zoe Kravitz for a bit. We fucking wish. <laughs> we can only dream. But she's going out with the cute guy from um, Grey's Anatomy. You know that? She's going out. Oh, with Taylor Page. Yeah, Taylor Page. Yeah, no, Zoe. I thought you were about to call Channing Tatum cute. <laughs> Zoe Kravitz is an, unfortunately definitely going out with Channing Tatum. Which guy from Grey's Anatomy? The really hot one with yep. blue eyes. Yep. Oh, beautiful. They're really cute together. That's right. You told me and you saw her across the room yeah. or something. Yeah, but she was like walking back and forth across the room trying wow. to catch his attention. I love the honesty. Yeah. Okay. Bye, bitches. We are going to go across to Patreon now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, too many uh, Campari sodas deep. Um, and we are going to chat over there about whether or not the Met Gala is over. Jennifer Lopez deleting all evidence of Alex Rodriguez from her Instagram and unfollowing him, and what online ex etiquette 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 etiquette. 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 <laughs> 
should look like. Margaret Qualley and Jack Antonoff are dating. And... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We have thoughts. Yeah. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 